Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 306. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, what's up? Hey, Jim. It's, it's been a long time. I, I, I feel I'm excited to get back into the swing of things. We had off for like a month, basically, right? Pretty like much. all of no, like all of November, we were gone. We were just like we're not doing it. Hiatus. I was in Japan for two weeks, and then we had Thanksgiving right after that. So I'm glad to be back, though. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking about some movies. I had a great time in Japan. Whoa. I would highly, I would highly recommend going to Japan for those of you listening. Well, I'll get right on that then. It's not as expensive as you might think to take the trip. I mean, the plane ticket's the big thing, but the hotels and Airbnbs we stayed in were relatively reasonable, and like food and stuff was reasonable too. Now, maybe that's just because I'm used to New York prices, but yeah. it seemed pretty normal to me. In fact, I I sort of think that I was actually saving money by being in Japan and, and, and not, not being in New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I got to see everything I wanted to do. I got to go to a lot of different cities and areas. So it was a very, it was like a dream vacation for me. So uh, speaking of Japan this week on the show, we'll be talking about Hirokazu Koreeda's shoplifters along with someone we're watching on the watch list. This week's new releases in theaters and, of course, VOD and Blu-ray as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy to have you with us on this cinematic journey. Ooh. Don't get, don't get their hopes up too high. <laughs> False advertisement. Well, we didn't, we didn't really do a Thanksgiving show, so I figured, you know, I want to thank everybody for another great year of the podcast. And uh, I think with that, we'll just jump into our review. Shoplifters. As I said, this is directed by Hirokazu Koreeda. I have a synopsis here. A family of small-time crooks take in a child they find outside in the cold. I have a review for this up on the site right now. came out last week, I believe. Uh, but we're just getting to it now. Kevin, we'll start it with you. What did you think of Shoplifters? I didn't know that you had a review. I do. I have I a review. See, there. I didn't see that pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I would have read it beforehand. Had I known, no, I, I would. I would prefer you not. Just, just <laughs> go into it blind. I don't want you to know what I think before going into it. No, I meant like, before doing the the thing. No, the thing here. Oh, thing, yeah, yeah. I got talking stuff. Uh, I don't know. I mean, shoplifters, again, it's pretty much what I expected from Karita. And it was just, it was fine. It was fine. I thought the performances are great. There was moments here and there where I thought he really captured something special. But overall, just like the, the, and really more so like the kind of the reveal at the end or, you know, the, the, the secrets coming out or whatever. I think it, for me, it just kind of all unraveled there. I did find it at least interesting in the sense that we get this this picture of this family beforehand, before we learn, you know, so we can withhold judgment until the end. Sure, yeah. But I... So I, just, to, 
just to step back, start from the beginning, like the synopsis says, it is about a family of small time crooks. So you have this, this family, husband and wife, grandmother, sister, and uh, son, younger son. And they all just, they hustle. They just hustle. They, they make money any way they can, mostly by shoplifting. They shoplift all of their, their household goods and whatnot. And the, the husband and the son, uh, they're coming home from a successful night of shoplifting or day of shoplifting. And they find this, this little girl outside and this is in February. So it's cold out and she's just sitting outside by herself and they take her in, they feed her, they get her warmed up. And then they realize that it's late. So they let her stay the night and when the husband and the wife uh, go to take her back the next day, they realize that she's coming from a not so great home. There seems to be some abuse that's happening and they decide we're just going to keep her. And <laughs> she's the arts now. Yeah. And that was sort of the thing that I was so taken with this movie because it's like they're a dysfunctional family. They're, they're an incredibly poor family. They're living in, poverty but they still have that optimism they still show so much love for each other and they they still remain optimistic even though their circumstances are so dire they still have fun and they still laugh and i think that it's the bond that they have with each other that really holds it together and i think that like you said there are some some truths revealed at the end of the film uh, where you realize that there's, there are a lot of secrets that we didn't know about that, that bubble to the surface. And even after learning all of this stuff, instead of me feeling betrayed by these people or thinking of them or looking at them differently, I really didn't. And I think that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that's sort of what uh, the director was going for, where, we still have this bond with this family because they were they they had the love of each other and even though some really not great things happen we still feel that attachment to them yeah i think it come cuz it's something that he kind of does in a number of his films where it's you know blood isn't really what determines family and it's more so about, you know, people that care for you and everything. Which, again, for me, seeing a lot of his other films, it just kind of felt like a slight rehash. Just tweaks here and there. But it kind of felt like another one of his Like I was just watching another one of his movies with some things just tweaked. Yeah, this is, I believe, the first one of his movies that I've seen. So Ooh. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen any of his other films, to my knowledge. I'm pretty sure I haven't. I know you saw one, but that was ages ago. And that was the movie Distance. Did I see that? It was way back. That was one of the DVDs I got off of eBay. Yeah. With the the cult. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember that now. I had to look that it was, up. I mean, that was 2001, probably. Yeah. Either that or 2002. Well, this is the first one that I still remember, at least. <laughs> I, I barely that's remember good, distance. That's a good distinction. 
And uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe if I was more familiar with his filmography, I would feel the same as you, where he's sort of treading in familiar territory. I know that a lot of his movies hold some social commentary with them, and that's sort of how this one is as well. You get the sense that the system is failing these people. Oh, for sure. For sure. But that wasn't really an element that had an effect on me. That that really didn't strike me in in any way. You know, it's like, other than the fact that, like, man, these people can't get a break. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. They just, they can't get a break. But I, the thing that I think really, I really appreciated was just the, the lightheartedness of a lot of this. There's some really heavy themes that are, that are being played with here, but the dialogue was pretty light and fun. Like I, I really enjoyed the, the banter between the family members. Like they were always giving each other jabs, you know, like talking shit on each other. And it felt very authentic to me. Like this, it felt like this is a real family. Oh yeah. That's why I, I, that's for me too is the the performances i think it's the really the bright spot here because they're pretty much all around across the board fantastic performances and especially uh secure ando who plays the uh the wife that takes the kids in but uh it's fine I, it's just again for me it's just kind of familiar territory where i'm just like okay i I saw another Corita movie and it was a lot like the other ones that I've recently seen. Like, it's just kind of like it's spinning his tires now feels like for me. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I would feel differently if I saw some of his, uh, newer movies, but yeah, I, I, I really love this movie. I, I gave it a nine out of 10 actually. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I was just, I was so transfixed by this you, family. You, you buried delete there a little bit. Cause you're like, <laughs> you know, you wrote a review and everything. You're like, you know, I like this movie. And so I'm like, oh, okay. You gave it a favorable review. I wasn't thinking a nine out of 10. I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah, know it, flirting with masterpiece here. I, I really loved it. I mean, it, I just felt this attachment to these, these characters. I just wanted to spend more time with them. I, I just really loved everything about he does I, I i will give him that he is really good at doing that where it's not it doesn't necessarily feel like he's really wowing you in any way it's just it's just a nice nice time it was a feel-good movie in a lot of ways there was certainly conflict to be had but for the most part he keeps things very grounded and i enjoyed that i guess i was just looking for a movie like that i mean certainly the fact that I watched this right after having spent two weeks in Japan may have affected it in some way where I was vicariously living through these people and, and re- reliving my experiences in Japan, which, which actually makes me think like, am I for like the next several months, am I going to be giving gonna... Every, every Japanese movie I see giving it higher marks because I just, I'm, I miss my time there. You want to you go back so badly. Yeah. I can see that happening. I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens when I uh, tackle the next Japanese movie. And I'll notice, too, like if every week you just start suggesting Japanese movies to be covered. Well, I do 
it's and then it's you funny just become obsessed. I I really do. It really did make me want to dive deeper into like, especially like anime and stuff. Like it really inv- reinvigorated my my want to explore more anime series and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Might I might become uh, just some crazy anime nerd now. I don't know. Just gonna get addicted to it. <laughs> We're, I'm, I'm gonna turn the site into just all Japanese oh. movies, and that's, and that's <laughs> all it. All anime. It's all <laughs> yes. anime. All the time. F- Film Pulse is gonna now turn into an anime site where <laughs> I just review everything on Crunchyroll or something. <laughs> just kidding. Just get obsessed with like Gundam. Just become well, a big Gundam head. I do like Gundam, so. See, it's already I, starting. Jesus. I can see that happen. I liked Gundam before. I only ever watched one Gundam series, but I really liked it. I like the I like putting the the kits together, the model kits. Uh, there's something really therapeutic about getting a Gundam well, that's just, kit. That's just kits. That's just models in general. Putting stuff together is fun. Yeah, you can't deny the, the, that. the The Gundams are really great, though. Like they just because they're they're advanced enough that it's not like a simple Lego kit. Yeah, but they're not so advanced that, uh, that I have to like glue everything together and get all these different supplies and stuff. Not yet. N- no, I mean you're going to be a professional Gundam builder. Well, the cool the cool thing about Gundam kits is that they don't. They don't require glue. Everything's press fit. And even though there's like, yeah, there's like hundreds and hundreds of pieces. Some of them have thousands of pieces, but they, they all, it all press fits. They're great. Hmm. You should, you should look into building one sometime and you'll just be like, wow, this is, this is a really great experience that I'm having right now. (laughs) It's pretty much my job. I mean, it's not a Gundam kit, but it's, I just make little things all the time. It's just assembling things. (laughs) Yeah. I love assembling things. It is really fun. It's really therapeutic. Except when the things don't really go together that well, and then you get super pissed off. Oh, yeah. When that doesn't happen, it's great. I'll send you... I was going to send you a picture. This this one thing that I got in Japan is... There's this uh, series called like Mini Art or Mini Art. And it's paper models that you put together that they're like little dioramas mm-hmm. and they're like so intricate and detailed and you you glue them together so they do require glue uh but they are so cool and i ended <laughs> up i ended up uh picking one up at, in japan it's a my neighbor totoro one and yes. i'll i'll send you a picture of it it's, they're so cool they're really hard to put together but they come out nice. looking great uh, so I gave it a nine out of 10 shoplifters. What are you, what are you sitting at right now? I'm sitting at it like a shoulder shrug, 6.57. Okay. 6.57 slash seven. Shoplifters is playing now in limited release. So I would, uh, certainly check that out. Let's move on and talk about someone watching on the watch list. It's been quite a it's, while. It's been quite a while. So let's just keep it with maybe maybe the notable ones. 
It sounds good. I actually went like two weeks without seeing a movie at all. So wow. Yeah, I caught a couple movies on the plane, but they're not even worth talking about. I did see Hearts Beat Loud on the plane. That's the only one that I would say is notable. Okay. That's the one Nick Offerman, and I would recommend seeing that. Uh, that, that was a really fun, light indie comedy. But I guess uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet was the, f- the first big one that I'll mention. Okay. How was uh, that? I didn't. I didn't like it. No. <laughs> really? No, I didn't. I loved the first. I loved Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. But this one, did you see Wreck-It Ralph? I have not yet. Uh, so the first one is great. The second one, the whole premise is they're going into the internet. So they get, they go into the internet to buy something on eBay and I didn't see the emoji movie, but I imagine this has similar jokes and stuff that the, the emoji movie had where it's like, ah, oh, it's the internet, you know, memes yeah. and YouTube and <laughs> stuff like that. And yeah, it just, some uh, that's of, a, uh, there was, some of it was fun. There's this scene where he goes to like the Disney website or something. And there's like all the Disney princesses there and that, that sequence was really fun. But for the most part, I was just like, eh, it all felt very dull to me. Like I was not, just wasn't on board with it. I didn't have a lot of fun with this movie at all. In fact, I almost fell asleep towards the end because I was just not having a good time. <laughs> so I would say I can't recommend Ralph Breaks the Internet. I, a lot of people are talking this up. A lot of people really love this movie. And I think that's great. But for me, it just didn't work. I'm trying to do my best to get some get some uh, catch up work in here, you know. With essentially, well, now for real, only having one month left until the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So trying to get these 2018 titles in, uh, one of which is this documentary that's on Netflix currently. You can watch it now if you want. Called Shirkers. Oh, I saw this too. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh man, Sandy Tan. So in 1992, as a teenager, Sandy Tan and her friends made a movie, independent movie in Singapore, just completely on their own. And with the help of this guy, George, and then once they finished the movie and they got it all done and all this and that, you know, he was kind of overseeing it getting finalized. And then he just disappeared with the movie. And... They never got it back until recently. So this is kind of like her charting the history of it with the, the people that worked on it. And you get to see clips from the movie that they made in 1992, but he lost all the audio. So all you have is the visuals, which I got to say, the, like the actual documentary parts of it are like, eh, they're fine. They're just, it's really, it's basic. It's really, really basic and straightforward. But like the actual footage of the movie that they made is insane. Yeah, it so looks incredible. This movie looks so amazing, and I think that it is such a tragedy that this movie will the the completed movie will never see the light of day. Probably, there's probably I mean they could probably redo the audio, but it wouldn't. It's just not going to be the same. And yeah, I yeah. completely agree. The movie looks 
stunning. Yeah. And and to hear, you know, like the them bank what what was like the assistant director was like fourteen years old. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a friend of theirs. It's like a crew of like eight people. And they were all like kids. Except for the one like what I think it was two adults. Like the cinematographer was like in his twenties and then the George guy who of course screws him over. But I mean, it's just, it, it looks so unbelievable. And it's just, it kills you. Cause every shot really that they show of that movie from 92, is just like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it looks so unbelievable. Yeah. It, it looks like it's just a perfect nineties indie movie time capsule. Like the, everything about it looks just very, very zine oriented. I would say like everything in it reminds me of zine culture and the the color, like just how everything is so bathed in color. Like, Oh man, I just wish, I wish we could see the final product. You get to see enough of it though. You get to see a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is exceptional. And I think for that reason alone, it's definitely worth a look. Like you have to see if this is the only way that it's going to exist in any form, you know what I mean? If like you have to see it. I think that it that the documentary itself is also it's almost a mystery in a lot of ways. Like trying to figure out what happened to this movie and trying to figure out who George really was. And I thought all of that stuff was really intriguing. This is like my top documentary of the year i i really love this movie yeah it's a wild ride because imagine if that did if that did come out and people would be upset like people would be obsessed with it or could be or should be and we would be talking about sandy tan all the time and how incredible she is yeah i mean the but none of that happened no sort of the silver lining was that everybody's careers took off after this you know, every everybody made it. You know, yeah, but like they they, they, they all be, they all have jobs in the industry, but they could be so much bigger. Yeah, potentially. I mean, this this yeah, there's no doubt that this would have been a hit. This would have been a big hit, uh, at least in the like underground indie scene oh, yeah. at the time. Because it, I mean, it came out or it would have come out at the perfect time, ninety two, ninety three, right when the indie film boom was happening. You know, this yeah. most most certainly would have been brought into Sundance, and yeah, it it would have been huge. And I think they know it. They they like in the interviews and stuff. Like they all seem to know that they did make a great movie here. It wasn't like some little student film that like most you know most people are just like, oh, my first movie when I was in school. Like, oh boy, they were rough. Like they were fun. We learned a lot, but nah, they were they were garbage. Like. Everybody that was involved in this movie was like, yeah, it was something special. Yeah. And I think that, that on top of that, they have the, the story. You have the story to go with it that, you know, they're 14 to 16 year olds that right. made an insane movie in Singapore. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. Singapore really did. <laughs> There's you no scene industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. Uh, so that's on Netflix. So you can check that out. That's Shirkers. I saw Thunder Road. This is directed by Jim Cummings. It also stars Jim Cummings. I think he wrote it too. And it's based on a short film. 
that uh, he was also that he also created. And I saw very minimal buzz about this. I, not a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter. I didn't see much marketing, if any, about this movie. But I saw enough that it, it piqued my interest. So I gave it a look after I got back uh, from vacation. And holy crap, I, this movie completely floored me. I was not, I was not ready for Thunder Road. Kevin. I was not ready for the brilliance of Thunder Road. This is like one of my top movies of the year. I, it just, it hit all the right notes for me. I don't expect this to land on a lot of top 10 uh, lists for the end of the year. But for me, it was just the perfect blend of uh, comedy and drama. And it just, it was just firing on all cylinders. Jim, Jim Cummings is fantastic in this. He is incredible. He's hilarious. He's sad. I mean, it is just the full gamut of emotions and it's almost worth seeing this movie just for the opening monologue alone when he's giving the eulogy. And I think that that's the short film. I think that was taken, taken, taken from the short film, right? Yeah. I don't know if he, I'm assuming that he redid it for the, I didn't see the the short film, so it's probably the same, but he, it's so good. Yeah. I can't recommend it enough. Thunder road. It's on VOD now, so you can check it out and it is high, high recommendation from me. I look forward to it. I enjoyed the short film, so I'll be interested to see Cause when I remember when he kind of announced that he was making a, a feature, I was kind of confused because I'm like, I'm not sure how you turn that short film into a feature length, but yeah. Okay. It, man, it just, it works out so perfectly. Like just the, just this guy's life completely derailing after his mother's death. And it's just like one thing after another. And he tries to stay optimistic and he tries to just stay positive in all of this, but it just life beats the shit out of him. And it's funny, but it's also like, there are a lot of scenes where you're laughing, but you're like, I don't know if I should be laughing. And then there are scenes where you're, you're in tears, but you're like, I don't know if I should be laughing at this, but I'm crying. And it's just, it's really this emotional ride. At least it was for me. Uh, I saw, Madeline's Madeline. Oh, okay. Josephine Decker. This yeah. is it's available uh Amazon Prime now. Prime it. So Prime it up. Your, if you got Prime, watch it for free. Which is great. I I almost I was so close to renting it. I was gonna rent it. I sat down and everything. I was ready to go. And I was like, nah, I'll rent it tomorrow. When I jumped on the next day to rent it, it was included in Prime. Just had to wait, wait a day, wait it out a little bit. It worked out so wonderfully. So happy with myself. And uh, this movie's really good. I enjoyed this immensely. Uh, Elena Howard is fantastic in this movie. I've been dying to see her performance because everyone kind of went nuts for her. Yeah. Just gushing and raving, praising like crazy. I know I did. Yeah. You, you were pretty much everyone. Yeah, well, it's incredible. She's incredible in it. 
Yes, indeed. And I agree with all of you. You were all correct. <laughs> Good work. Uh, but I also just found this uh, thoroughly, thoroughly uh, interesting. A lot of great stuff going on here with like performance and art and being responsible and kind of also how some people, some creatives are kind of vampires, you know, kind of sucking stories from other people. And then a lot of race stuff going on in here. It's, it's a lot of layers to this sucker that I wasn't, wasn't fully expecting. I kind of just went into it thinking, you know, oh, it's performance art and it's just more so of like real life and performance and them bleeding into each other. You know, the kind of thing that kind of getting worn out in indie movies or art movies. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was definitely a lot more to it. Kind of took that idea and just added a shit ton to it. I didn't think it was too overwhelming with the performance art stuff blending into the real life. So like if you're not familiar, the premise is that there's this, this young girl who's in this uh, performance art school and her teacher decides to sort of pivot and make their next show about her. So it's like her playing herself in this performance. And because of the type of person she is, she, it really fucks with her. Like it, it really gets to her and it, it gets really interesting, especially like when the, when the mom starts to get involved with, oh, yeah. with the performance. Cause you as just well. have the, Evangeline, played by Molly Parker, just she's doing a lot of unethical stuff here. I would say, I would say so. She's got problems of her own, you know. She does. She does. Definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, all right, let's see. I saw First Man, directed by Damien Chazelle. <laughs> so the Moon movie. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, went into this with very low expectations. I didn't really care about this movie too much and when i came out of it i was like all right that was okay that was all right uh i mean one the highlight is obviously the the visuals and the how chazelle handled the like the takeoff and all of the stuff all the space stuff like from the rocket launches to the like when when they're in orbit and all of that uh maybe Obviously, I'm not an astronaut. I don't know what it's like, but it seems like it was the most realistic portrayal of spaceflight that maybe we've ever seen on screen, uh, mostly because the sound, right? Like, you don't think about that, but it must be loud as shit when you're taking off in a <laughs> rocket to space. And the the way that he incorporated the sound was just so brilliantly done. And it really made you feel like, oh my God, we're going to space, guys. <laughs> this theater, we're going, <laughs> we're going up. And uh, it was really incredible. And the rest of it, I was just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like everything else, like everything else, the story, very, very basic stuff. It looked like the. I don't know what kind of cameras he used. I didn't. I didn't really look into it too too deeply. But the the cinematography makes it look very vintage and i i loved that i thought that the movie looked great yeah. costuming 
the the set decorations, all that stuff looked really, really incredible. Uh, but the narrative, the story is just like, all right, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Like, Really good performances. Ryan Gosling was fine. Like, I don't, I don't think he's a, a highlight. Like, he's okay in it. Uh, Claire Foy, who plays uh, the uh, uh, Ryan Gosling's wife, she was really good in it. Uh, Jason Clark. Big, big shout outs to Shea Wiggum, who has been killing it this year. Shea Wiggum, absolutely destroying it. He's on that Amazon show. Well, I think, uh, yeah. He's homecoming he's been doing that for like a couple years now he is so he's good just... he's so good in homecoming uh which I, I started up this week and that's a really great show by the way underrated he's also in vice the the movie coming out about dick cheney which i saw that but i can't talk about it just yet um Ooh. but he's he's really great in that too so keep that one close to your chest there uh yeah it's under embargo until the 11th uh, he's great in it. I can say that. Anyway, anyway, first man, light recommend. Whatever. Dude went to space. Big deal. Gives a shit. You know what I mean? Like, how many space movies do we need? How many right, times that, that's, that's why we're going to space? We get exactly. it. We went to space. Fucking get over it. And that's that's why I was, like, not really high on this movie. Like, I didn't really care to see it. I, I knew what to expect, and... I would say that seeing it for the the sound and visuals alone m- makes it worth it if you can, you know, catch it on a giant TV when it comes out. But I mean, yeah, they make a big fucking deal about it, but it's like monkeys and dogs have done it. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> well, I think it is kind of a big deal, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's necessary to make a movie about it. What and how many? How many right, right, right. Do you have to yeah, you know, I think I think after this movie, after this movie, we can put a moratorium on moonwalking movies for a little while. Yeah, and it's like we had footage of it happening. Like we can just watch the footage. We don't have to redo it. That is know. true. That is true. Especially with Ryan Gosling. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Everybody else in it felt like they were of that era. But Ryan Gosling feels so con- <laughs> just feels so contemporary and out of place compared to everyone else. Like everyone else looks like they're straight out of the '60s. Ryan Gosling looks like a very modern dude, a very <laughs> dapper modern dude in a movie that takes place in the '60s. Uh, I saw Steve McQueen's Widows. I saw this too. What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't log it yet. I saw it last night. Oh, you saw it last night. Did you happen to see it with some with some boomers? No, I Fuck didn't. Up the whole experience for you. <laughs> I didn't, but I loved your story about that. They fucking pieces of shit. I'm so sick and tired of going to the movies. I don't know if I'm going to go anymore. I got a screener for this, so I didn't. I didn't have to see it in the theater at all. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. There was and the movie's pretty good. I enjoyed the movie, but <laughs> when. Cynthia Erivo's character is introduced. You know, she just kind of comes out of nowhere, right? She's just working at a salon. And, like, she goes home to her kid, and she gets another job, and she leaves. And you don't really know how she fits in to the story 
of widows, right? Because you have the Viola Davis and everything happening with Liam Neeson. And then this character just comes out of nowhere. And the, or her Belle character with working in the salon. And you're like, I wonder how this is going to be tied into everything. These two boomers, when this woman was introduced, they're just like, they constantly, the whole time, they were just, who is she? What does she have to do with anything? I don't understand this. Like, what is she doing in this movie? This makes no sense. And it's like, just keep watching. Like, I'm sure they will figure it out. I'm sure they'll tell you <laughs> how she fits into this movie. Like, it would be very, very odd. I can't imagine. I, I don't know if I've ever experienced this where a director was so unbelievably incompetent that there was just a random character thrown into the movie that has a little bit of a storyline that has nothing to do with the actual movie itself. Like, have you ever seen that? No. Like, just wait a little bit. They will tell you. And I, there wasn't, there wasn't whispering. It was just loud talking the whole time. Ugh. Yeah. That's the worst. That is, that is just the worst. So you liked the movie overall? I did. And, uh, again, Viola Davis, great. Elizabeth Debicki, I thought was fantastic. Uh, Brian Terry Henry, great. Just decent amount of performances in here. They're really good. Other ones, like Liam Neeson, I, he was. Well, he was, he he was barely in it, so. I know. He's <laughs> just like a blank slate. <laughs> it could have been anyone. I enjoyed it too, for the most part. I, I thought it was fine. Decent, the only thing that I didn't action thriller. Yeah. The only thing I didn't really like too much was the, the kind of like the weaving the past in, you know, like the, with the flashbacks with Neeson and stuff and their kid and everything. Just I did the, the, uh, the execution of that. I just thought was a little, was a little iffy. It felt very, um, eighties or nineties, you know, like when you see like an, an, 80s action thriller like that felt similar with the, like the flashbacks of them in love, laying in bed, smiling. Mm-hmm. It, it happens a lot in those movies. <laughs> just laying in bed together, smiling, just enjoying life. Before it used to be, before tragedy struck. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, Good, like the action was pretty solid though too. I, I enjoyed the action sequences, like the car car chase at the beginning. It is. It, I thought I was still kind of surprised. Like I knew going into it that they die <laughs> and the widows have to take over. <laughs> it like, is in the title. It, <laughs> it's right there. But still, like when it happens that early on, it was still like it's just like oh shit, okay. They yeah. were serious about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was an okay movie. I don't know if it'll land on my top 10 or anything, but as far as like uh, giving out best performances, I'd say Viola Davis is in the running for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's a complete badass. Yeah, definitely. I saw Suspiria. It's all right. It's all right. I. It's funny. I was. I, I really love the original uh, I'm a huge Argento fan and I don't know. Uh, it is not my favorite of his movies. It's probably like second or third, uh, deep red still number one for me. But, uh, so I was really excited about 
this movie. It looked really great. Just from a, a visual standpoint, it looked incredible. And uh, th- it is. There's some really questionable choices that uh, Luca Guadagnino makes in this. There are sometimes, it doesn't happen a lot, but there's sometimes scenes when he employs these super fast cuts. And I hated those sequences. Like it was just, I don't know. It, it drove me crazy. I'm not a huge fan of lots of fast cuts, but then he'll do a scene when the camera is just fixed in like the dance rehearsal space and he'll just leave it there for a while. Yeah. So he, it's not like the whole, the whole way through for the most part, the movie looks gorgeous. Uh, the costuming is incredible in this. Um, and the, I think that it was a smart idea for him to make it sort of a period piece and have it be taking place in the seventies and uh, the, just all of the locations, the school itself uh, is incredible. It's got all these like winding staircases and it feels like old and, and worn and creepy. And a lot of the horror elements are really effective very creepy movie. There's a lot of stuff that happens that you're just like, oh, oh boy. Like it stays with you a lot of the stuff. Uh lots of like twisting bodies and lots of body horror that's happening. And that's always really unsettling. The end, it just gets insane. It is ridiculous at the end. And I think that one of the things that might've brought it down a little bit for me, especially at the end is the really questionable effects work that happens. It's such a gorgeous and seemingly meticulously crafted movie. And then you have this kind of rough looking CG that's thrown mm. in and it makes everything feel off because up until that point, the movie, when you watch it, you're like, Oh, this movie was made in the seventies. Like it has that authentic seventies vibe to it. But then all of a sudden you see this like really heavy CG use and you're just like, oh, well, okay, no, nope, nope, nope. So that really bothered me. And other than that, I, I enjoyed the, the film. Tilda Swinton is incredible in this. I'm sure you read, she plays an old man for 40, 45 different people, right? Yeah. She, everyone, she, she plays Dr. Joseph. Clumper, I don't know why. Like, there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason for it. I know. And there's something about it. I just, it kind of irritates me sometimes with the whole Tilda Swin thing. Like, how everyone gets so enamored by it. Like, oh, she played three different people. She plays an old man. And it's like, uh, cool. Like someone did a great job with makeup. Like why though? Why does she? Yeah. I, I don't know why she plays. <laughs> you just get an old man. What the fuck? Like how much time and money was wasted on makeup to make Tilda Swinton look like an old man. Just hire an old man. She she's great in it. In that role as the old man. It's it's a it's a performance that if I didn't already know that that was her, I wouldn't know. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. that's that's Tilda Swinton in old man makeup. Like it, it's a completely transformative performance. And again, but it comes down to the makeup artist. 
Like sure. you get some of like the highest, well, the top of the top, some of the I, best of the best. Yes. Get them to do, they could probably put you in old lady makeup. And I wouldn't know if you I, just chanced up on me on the street. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I, be like, damn, is this Adam and old lady makeup? I don't know. Yes. I mean that, that is obviously the bulk of the work that goes into it. However, her mannerisms, her movements, her voice, even she speaks in like a lower tone it doesn't sound like her anymore plus she speaks german in it and it so i i think that yes i agree that it is mostly the the makeup effects department that that makes that transformation but i think she does a lot to to give that performance character and set that character apart from the other two characters she plays in the movie (laughs) it's just it's getting out of hand Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is. I do recognize it as being completely ridiculous. But uh, the other performances were, I thought, pretty average. Like, I, Dakota Johnson didn't really. I mean, she was fine, I guess. But yeah, it was just, eh, it was all right. Which is kind of surprising because I had, I mean, for a lot of people, I was, I was figuring that this was going to be the type of movie that a you absolutely loved it, just full on board with it, or you absolutely hated it because how dare they, that type of thing. And with you, especially being an Argento fan that you are, I figured it was going to be one or the other. You were going to be really high on it because, holy shit, I can't believe they did this and it worked out that well. Or you were just going to be pissed off like, oh, God, you fucking butchered it. Yeah. But for I- you to come in at the, it's all right. Yeah. That's kind of um- surprising. I I don't think it was necessary. I still think that the original is superior, but oh. but it I it's pretty well made. I mean, it again, it looks gorgeous. Like I really loved the look and the vibe and it is an extremely unsettling movie, as I said, but in the end it's like other than those like few key moments that will probably forever stick with me. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll really remember much else. It's a, it's pretty light on plot as the original is. And I don't know in the end, I was just like, okay, that's uh, that's all right. Maybe a light recommend for me. I didn't, I wasn't actively like when they first announced this, I wasn't like, how dare they like, yeah. they should not like that. I'm not the type of person that gets offended with remakes and reboots most of the time, especially when you have a competent director at the reins. Yeah. I think it would have been a little bit different if they were doing Suspiria with someone you've never heard of. Right. Or, or like a big Hollywood director. Brett Reatner. Cause, cause this movie does not feel like if you see it, it's not mainstream. It's very out there. There's a lot of really kind of weird ass, extremely weird, surreal moments, like, you know, random cutaways to just gross imagery. Like, is there maggots? Uh, no, there's no maggots. There's uh giant hairballs and toilets though. Oh, okay. they, they, they cut to that a few times where it's like a dirty toilet with a giant hairball in it. Uh, okay. there's, a, there's a lot of like just gross, uh, there's like pus and mm. Mm. 
a it's very violent too, especially at the end. They do they do sort of open it up to sequels as well. They because if, if you're familiar with the original Suspiria, it's part of a trilogy, so they do open the door for that. Um, the Three Mothers trilogy. Yeah. So because they they mention they mention it in this movie, so they could make additional ones. Okay. All right. Let's talk about some new releases in theaters this week. We got Tyrell coming out. I would I would give. Uh, Tyrell look if it's playing in your area it's pretty solid it uh it's a movie that made me very uneasy it's uh it's not quite a comedy it's just it's slightly disturbing okay but in a good way so yeah I would recommend checking out Tyrell let's see we got the charmer we got Mary Queen of Scots we got Vox Lux coming out that's the one with uh directed by Brady Corbett Starring Natalie, oh, okay. starring Natalie yeah. Portman. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Got Ben is back. One with Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges. He's in everything these days. I It's a bit much. I'm sorry. I mean, you got to do that. You know, when you, when you, uh, yeah. when you I mean, when you come onto you, the scene. If I was him too, if I was him too, I would do the same thing. But for me as a viewer, like he just can't. It's like that a couple of years ago with Donald Gleason. Being and fucking everything. Yeah. Well, I, I, too I, much. I would argue that Lucas Hedges is on a little bit of a higher level than Donald Gleason. I don't think he's good. I, I do. I think he's good. Yeah, you should see him in mid 90s. He's really good in that. I did see him in that. Oh, he did? And I didn't think he was good. Really? I thought he was good in that. Yeah. I didn't believe him for a second. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see what else we got here. Dumplin'. That's a Netflix one. We got Back Roads, Swimming with Men, Amazing Grace, Divide and Conquer, the story of Roger Ailes. Not a lot. Not a lot going on here. Not really. VOD this week, we got Holly Star. This is on December 4th, Tuesday. I'll Be Next Door for Christmas. It's a silly family Christmas comedy. Oh, we got yes. sleigh bells spelled B E L L E S like bells, like Southern bells. Are they slaying people? I think they're slaying people. That's what it looks okay. like. Puns. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. We got the cabin. That's a horror movie. We got a, That's a dumb title. Yeah. That's not even a pun. That's just fucking noun. It's stupid. We got Alanis. This, I'm actually slightly interested in, in this one. What's that one about? Uh, it's about a, a single mom who's working as a, a sex worker, I believe. And okay. um, where does it take place? Uh, Buenos Aires. Mm, okay. Yeah, it looks, looks pretty good. United We Fan. I think it's a documentary about fans, like fandom. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems unnecessary we got snowflake uh snowflake is a horror horror film a moment in the reeds we got and then on the seventh we got clara's ghost which is the comedy dark very dark comedy from um bridie elliott who you yeah yeah that's who you may know from fort tilden 
and the film stars essentially her whole family. So Abby Elliott, who you may remember from SNL, that's her sister, Chris Elliott, who I'm sure you all know is her dad. And then her mom also stars in it. Paula. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Is it good? It's not great. Okay. (laughs) There's the thing is the family is so awful. They're so awful. They're just a bunch of self-centered drunks and it's fun at first, but it sort of wears out. It's welcome. It's a funny movie. It's well-written and the performances feel really natural because it's a real family, you know? So you have that where a lot of it doesn't necessarily feel scripted, but it, it's a little, it was a little rough for me. I think I gave it like a six or six and a half. It's, it's not, it's to be like a light recommend for me. Gotcha. It is very, it is pretty dark though. Uh, Haley Joel Osment's in it also. <laughs> uh, we also have Asher. It's a, a, a sort of an action film with Ron Perlman. We got Bernie the Dolphin. Another, fa- <laughs> another family, another family film there with Kevin Sorbo. Wow. We got uh, the Rainbow Experiment. This is a sort of a surreal horror film. I think maybe. I'm that actually kind of familiar. Yeah, it, it played Slam Dance. Yeah, that okay. That's what I thought. So I'm I'm slightly interested in that. We got Hospitality, Newly Single, The Marriage, and I believe that is it for VOD this week on Blu-ray. We got Mission Impossible Fallout. If you haven't seen that yet, I would recommend it. I don't know where it stands up with the other Mission Impossible movies. They all just sort of blend together at this point for me. Mm -hmm. That's the sixth one. There's... They're all just one movie for me at this point. What they need to do is go back. I know we've talked about this before on the show. Just numbers. Have it be Mission Impossible 6 Fallout. Just make it easy, please. Because when you just have the subtitle, it becomes very confusing as to which one is which. Especially because most of the time, it's like a one-word subtitle that doesn't really mean much. Yeah. Arrow is putting out Bloody Birthday from 1981. Interestingly, I just saw Bloody Birthday for the first time just a few months ago. And uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting. It's about a group of kids who are all born like during this solar eclipse and they all become psycho murderers. What? (laughs) Yeah. That sounds pretty great. Yeah, I'd recommend it. The Happy Time Murders comes out. I, I sort of love how that movie just completely bombed. It like, sure like did. But I rarely, God wa- did. I rarely want a movie to fail, but for some reason, after seeing the trailer for that, I I actively wanted it to fail. Well, and I think it, the other thing that got me is be it, it seemed like it was really aggressive. Yeah, like the the marketing for it, like it dominated for a long time, and it was just like, how do you not know that this is going to fail miserably? Yep. We also have Operation Finale, National Lampoon's Class Reunion from 1982. Never seen that. Might have to give that a look. The Puppet Masters from 1994 getting a Blu-ray release. Elizabeth Harvest, 
support support the girls comes is coming out. I'd give that a light recommend. Go. Yeah. Snowflake coming out. We got Ride. This is the one with B- Bella Thorne. A Moment in the Reeds is also getting a Blu-ray release. Death Kiss. This is the one, the action movie with the guy who's the Charles Bronson lookalike. I don't know if you saw anything about this, but the guy Sounds really does familiar. look exactly like Charles Bronson, which is incredible. Now, is that enough to have him starring in a movie? I don't think so. No. He's in another one but, that's coming out, too. He doesn't sound like Charles Bronson, though. His voice is not anywhere close. Do we have anything on Criterion this week? No, we don't. Yeah, it's a pretty light week all around, I would say. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Boyfriend.